What's up, everyone? Welcome to Inside the Glass. This is where we take a closer look at how ordinary people do extraordinary things. Hi, I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger. Come to LA and crush things in my tank. I'm inviting you personally to Los Angeles and to crush things in my tank with me. All you have to do is go on ormaze.com slash Arnold. This will benefit the after-school all-stars. So what are you waiting for? Come to Los Angeles. Let's go around and crush things with that tank. So Omaze is a digital marketplace that offers the chance to win once-in-a-lifetime experiences. That could be anything from having John Legend perform at your wedding. John Legend playing at your wedding. to riding in a tank and crushing things with Arnold Schwarzenegger. You could go wine tasting with Jennifer Lawrence or maybe even have the best day of your life with Robert Downey Jr. So today I'm offering you the next, even better than the best, night of your life! Chris, that has to be the best intro <laughs> of the whole season. Arnold Schwarzenegger leading us into this thing. Yeah, you can't go wrong with Arnold. Omaze. We're talking about Omaze today, and what an amazing journey Ryan has been on. And uh, Chris, do you want to talk about why you're so excited about this story and his stories in particular? Yeah, yeah. And right here off the top, let's just kind of clarify: we've got two Ryans today. We got Ryan Gill and Ryan Cummins, both very good looking, uh, wildly impressive individuals in their own right. But uh, for today's purposes, this podcast is going to highlight Ryan Cummins, and Ryan Cummins is. Uh, um, I think a, a complete disruptor. Yep. And I think the purpose for today's podcast is to stop giving yourself excuses that uh, my industry, my category, my company uh, isn't letting me do cool things, isn't letting me push the envelope. Um, Ryan Cummings went into a fairly um, stale, uh, philanthropic charity kind of culture and completely turned it on his ear, brought the star power, brought the sex appeal, uh, didn't settle for how other people have done things. In fact, almost intentionally zigged while the industry was zagging. Yeah. And uh, in a way that's far more substantive than, say, like the ALS Challenge. You know, the ALS Challenge had its moment in the sun yep. and raised a tremendous amount of money for a year and then went right back to where it was. And something like Omaze is just continuing. It's more of a flywheel. It's just getting more and more momentum year after year. Yeah, and if this story that you're about to listen to people out there this is a story about bravery yeah 100% Ryan let's uh let's actually uh, talk to Ryan and, and get his uh, take on what Omaze is why he started it and uh, what we can learn from his experience what we did was we basically took a traditional model of fundraising where usually these really incredible once in a lifetime experiences would only be made available to a select group of high net worth individuals and we democratize them to the masses. So for as little as $10, anybody can have a chance to win and you end up raising 10 to 40x what they would over the old model and also garnering a significant amount of, of awareness for the, for the charity and for the talent. Holy crap. Did you catch what he just said, Ryan? It's 10 to 40 X yep. times the traditional fundraising model. I, I love that idea. If he was not looking for 10% improvement, he's looking for 10 times improvement. And it takes a really breakthrough idea to pull that off. We started with the studios and the movies. My co-founder, Matt, and I had a background in this and uh, in storytelling. And so that really brought us to the area that we were most com confident and comfortable in, which was Hollywood. 
And from a lot of the studio partnerships, we started seeing these campaigns get bigger and bigger. And as they got bigger and our community turned from you know, tens to thousands to hundreds of thousands, now it's millions of people all organically grown. Well, the brands have started to say, hey, this is a tremendous opportunity, not only to reach a new audience in a new and different way, which is through this philanthropic lens, but also uh, to create a tremendous amount of good out in the world. And so they've started coming. So we've done a couple of really great partnerships. We're on our third year of a partnership with Bono and Coca-Cola and Red. So Bono's been really spearheading the end of transmission of HIV from mother to child in Africa and other countries around the world. And Coca-Cola came on board to sponsor that. And so we partnered with all of them to create. Last year, it was in the form of a telethon that we ran on Jimmy Kimmel. So it was an hour-long show. We had multiple celebrities, all essentially QVC-style, hawking their experiences. So you had I don't know if you remember, but Bono got in a bike accident in Central Park. So he came back and was offering the chance to do a tandem bike ride with him in Central Park. Ended up taking the winners on literally a three-hour trip and buying them ice cream. It was, it was an amazing thing. We did a health retreat with Snoop. Yo, yo, it's your last chance to come hang with me. You and a friend, 420 Wellness Retreat in Denver, Colorado. What you waiting on? Let's get it. It's your last chance. Go green and support red. Omaze.com slash Snoop. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, you heard that right. This was before California passed its laws, but this was in Colorado. So Snoop, uh, Snoop entertained some people. And then the last one uh, that I really liked sharing was we did a campaign with George Clooney. And originally our first one with him was you could go on a date with George Clooney. This was before he got, a married, he got married to a mall. And so once he got married, obviously we couldn't repeat that same experience. So on this last time around, he's been an incredible partner and a lot of fun to work with. And he offered the chance the to have George Clooney sit across from you for one minute, stare into your eyes, and just totally compliment you. <laughs> and, and he spent more time with them, of course, but it was a, it was a fun experience. So they all, they all presented these experiences on the Jimmy Kimmel show, and then we ran them through our traditional model online and really pushed it out through the content and ended up raising over $5 million for Red, uh, garnered about $65 million worth of earned media, and really has just been a tremendous, tremendous success. So we've taken that and begun partnering with more and more brands from... Aston Martin to the studios. Chris, we we had a chance to uh, dig in after the uh, podcast we recorded at the gathering, and I called him uh, to dig into this a little bit to ask. You know, I think some of the secret sauce was definitely the celebrity uh, endorsements and getting them involved. Uh, but how did he get his first big celebrity? What was the first big breakthrough? Maybe we can go listen to that now. Great. Ryan coming. Hey Ryan, it's Ryan. A couple of Ryans. Here we are. A couple of Ryans. Ryan, um, what did it take to get that first big celeb? Walk us through that. Tell me about the phone calls, the uh, meetings, uh, pulling it off. Yeah, well, we didn't really necessarily start with the first big celeb. Uh, sure. Yeah, there you go. We, you know, we got started on this campaign. The first official campaign that we did with Omaze in 2012 was the chance to be a guest host on Cupcake Wars. <laughs> Uh, humble, humble I beginnings. Think it made about seven hundred dollars. Humble beginning, yeah. And it made about seven hundred dollars, and all of our families wondered how, out of B school, we didn't actually go get you know paying <laughs> jobs, but we took this risk on a new venture. Uh, but we believed in the model, and we just kept working on it. And so then, as we kept talking more and more people into taking a chance on us, we got uh, we did one campaign with Parks and Rec. Right. where it was a chance to, to go hang out with the, the stars on Parks, on the set of Parks and Rec, and that did, you know, 20K. And then we did one with 
The Daily Show. It was our first one. We've done multiple since, but we did one with The Daily Show back when it was John Stewart, and that's 60k. Wow. And one with Lincoln Park, and that raised 100k. And then ESPN, and that's 200k. And did it in a day, and we actually like thought our site was broken for a sec, but it, it was not. And then, uh, and then we got Brian Cranston to do a campaign around Breaking Bad, and that raised over three hundred thousand. And then Aaron Paul saw that, and he decided to do a follow-up campaign for his wife's charity, uh, Kind Campaign, which is an anti-bullying cause, and that raised one point seven million <laughs> around the finale. And that was the chance you could get dressed up in a hazmat suit and ride the Winnebago with Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul to the finale. No way. And uh, and that's when we were like, okay, this you know this model worked, and it was pretty exciting. Um, and then not too long after that, we had a chance to do pretty much what I think is the first publicly facing event that. Disney, Lucasfilm, and Bad Robot partnered on around Star Wars, which was the okay. chance to be in Star Wars Episode Seven, and that was spearheaded by J.J. Abrams and Katie McGrath, who are uh, husband and wife and partners in Bad Robot and just brilliant human beings and very philanthropic and wanted to, you know, harness the power of that fan base towards something good, and that was just an incredible experience. Raised four point two six million dollars in uh, wow. ten weeks for UNICEF and, uh, and had donors from, you know, well over 126 countries. So that's when it suddenly got global and we realized that we had, you know, something really global, really neat. From cupcakes for $700 to 4 million. It's a, it's a journey, but what I hear about it and what I want the listeners to hear in your story and cause I've gotten to know you and, uh, you're a guy that just puts the ball in motion. You might not know the direction you're going, but as long as there's motion happening, um, I think your dreams and your intentionality can take you there. Absolutely. You know, Giller, let's just stop there for a second because yeah. one of the things I'm so impressed with this small organization is how quickly they went swinging yes. for the fences. After some humble beginnings, they really put their foot on the gas. And I, I think you and I have just run into too many brand leaders who are content, you know, just getting on base. Ourselves. Like we were talking at a leadership meeting yesterday, we got to be growing faster and it starts in the mind. And if you're listening today, uh, Ryan's story at Omaze is amazing. And they believed in themselves. You can't just go swing for the fences if you're going to strike out all the time. Well, I mean, and, and you know, you, you practice what you preach better than most. I remember when you talked about getting Dana White to the gathering and we everybody yeah. looks at you like, how the hell are we going to get Dana White? And it was like, uh, it takes a certain level of dreamer, but it also takes a certain level of perseverance Follow to say, through. yeah, here's how we're going to go actually make that happen. And uh, too often we, we kill ourselves by killing our dreams without even reality killing our dreams. Mm -hmm. We just give up on ourselves and we think too small. You know, Ryan, one of the things that I'm really most impressed with with Omaze is how it's evolved over time. You know, they talk about these ideas of world changers, uh, which started as really celebrities that were trying to make a meaningful difference. But then it went into other nonprofits. Uh, it went into brands. Uh, and it's always catered to the fans, the fans of the, the, the products or the services or the programs that these world changers were a part of. And so uh, let's listen in as Ryan kind of elaborates a little bit more on what he refers to as this ecosystem of making sure that everybody's benefiting from the services that he's providing. Really, it's a full ecosystem, a win-win for everybody, for the, the talent and the brands, for the charities, for the donors, and for the people who uh, benefit. Uh, and I know you've seen, actually, that the, the letter that the CEO of BlackRock released, Larry Fink, where he basically said that 
moving forward, you know, BlackRock being one of the largest investment firms in, in the world, six million, six trillion, yeah, six point three trillion in assets under management basically said that they're not going to be looking at companies for their portfolio moving forward unless they're trying to impact change. So that's a big, big message. And what we're really seeing is that we do exist in this win-win society now where the landscape has really shifted for millennials, where they want to see that the brands that they're associated with are also doing good in the world. And so as brands basically are, are coming around to this, they're realizing that it's no longer the case that you can only do influencing mar influencer marketing or social impact marketing. Now you can do both. And by doing both, you can actually get even more reach, more meaning, and reach a larger audience. So it's really a win-win across the board. I got to interrupt here, Chris. This is uh, too good to not uh, give a little commentary on. What I love about what Ryan and Omaze has done is they've operationalized doing good at a brand or for a brand at scale. The one and done you mentioned at the very start of the podcast, and we don't want to throw anyone under the bus that has done good. Omaze has made a total big impact on not doing that. Yeah, totally. When you say scale, I think of two things. They've increased the reach so they can now rival audiences that they might be, that these celebrities or brands might be getting via more traditional paid media, yeah. but also the re uh, the repeatability or the ability to replicate it over and over again. Uh, and, and as well as a third element, it's just so much more authentic. It's more true to a brand's values or a brand's ethos. Advertising can come across as so... Uh, commercialized, yeah. uh, so self-centered. It's about what's good for me. It's about uh, in, in, um, incentivizing transactional relationships. And this is about, let's go make a meaningful difference together. So there's no wonder why Omaze has really uh, taken off is because it's given brands and celebrities now a different option than just a bunch of paid media. Yeah. And one of, one of the beautiful things about that too, is that it really challenges brands to do this, but when they do it, it also puts them on a track to repeat that. To, to it creates a virtuous cycle. So I'll, we used to face that question, you know, earlier on at a when people would say, you know, are the brands really behind this? Is this something they really do care about? Part of my response to that is, look, if they're going to do it for the very first time, do you really care if they haven't done it historically? If they're putting a stake in the ground right now and saying they're doing this now and they're going to keep doing it because the consumers and and the population at large is going to suss out whether or not it's authentic, whether or not it's genuine, whether or not it's real. We've been able to see that very clearly with the celebrity talent we get involved in, they are as authentic as, as you could imagine. These are some of the most creative people on the planet, extremely passionate about the causes that they support, and that's why they get behind this. Now we're seeing the same thing follow up with brands where they're starting to see, as we've been talking about, that they have to service social impact. They have to do this and be a brand that aligns with that. And so if they're going to put that stake in the ground, then it's just the first step of them rising up to being a brand that actually is hitting on all of those different, uh, on all of those different verticals, on caring about the brand and caring about the consumer and caring about the world. There was something that, that Jason from Beats just gave, a, just gave a talk here. And one of the things that he was basically talking was about uh, making sure that you hero other people. And I love that sentence, to hero other people. And he was in that case talking about their straight out of Compton campaign and essentially realizing that they could do a straight out of and you fill in the fill in the blank for whatever your city is. And I really, really that resonated so much because that idea of heroing others is something that brands can take on. The more that the more that people recognize that everyone benefits when you serve others, as opposed to making the focus being yourself. 
And that's really where, you know, where Matt and I, when we were launching Omaze, we had the benefit of having some really incredible professors when we were in B school who were brand gurus, you know, the, the former CMO of Procter and Gamble, a guy named Jim Stangle who had basically written the book. And, and so we spent the better part of a year talking about higher purpose, talking about exactly what it was that we were trying to do as our North Star. And that's where we came up with that idea for We, we Serve World Changers, because we figured so long as we could have that North Star of knowing that we're a company that's not focused on itself, but it's focused on serving others, then that's also an idea that everyone who partners with us is going to adopt. And, and we're seeing more and more brands adopt that, to your point. You know, Ryan, just to interrupt here for a minute, you know, uh, Ryan Cummins uh, disrupted the, the fundraising and the charitable cause and the celebrity um, social cause industry only seven years ago, six or seven years ago. I think their first campaign was in 2012. And um, as we go into this next sort of segment of, of the podcast, I want you to pay attention. I want the listeners to recognize how they are constantly iterating. They're not resting on their laurels. They're not milking this cash cow. They're wondering what's next. They're asking themselves tough questions. They're taking risks. They and their celebrities and the brands that they're working with are being a bit more bold and they're pushing some boundaries. And he'll, he'll share some stories about how um, it's not just about, you know, winning opportunities to be on the set of Star Wars or or getting a free, uh, you know, Lamborghini. It's they're trying to make a real difference through politics, through education, through healthcare. And I really applaud their efforts to take this platform and to see how far it can go rather than just yeah. be pleased with their current level of success. So we just launched this past year our very first ever. We're a nonpartisan organization. So we don't we don't take a stance in politics. We basically say we're going to run an experience so long as it's benefiting a great charity and so long as all of the partners that are getting involved are coming at it from a place of inspiration, motivation and empowerment. Uh, we did a campaign recently with Jennifer Lawrence. It was the chance to go wine tasting with Jennifer Lawrence. It was the first time that we did a campaign to benefit a 501c4, not a 501c3. And the difference there is that 501c4s have some element of politics that they're focused on. And in this case, the organization, remarkable organization called Represent.us. Their focus is also nonpartisan, which is why we did it, but it is to end corruption in politics. So the reason I'm sharing this story is when you're asking about sort of the wake-up effect of celebrity talent, here you have Jennifer Lawrence, who is an incredibly talented human being, you know, obviously Oscar winner, just such a stunning actress, and here she's taking on politics dead on. And she doesn't have to, uh, but she decided of her own accord that she really doesn't like the, the state of corruption in the world, and she wants to have a hand in leveraging what is her light towards educating others about what they can do and how they can change this. And, uh, and I think that's a beautiful thing because it shows, you know, there's a lot of risk in that. That's an incredibly brave move for a celebrity to do something like that because their brand is, is, their, is their livelihood. And here she's saying that she wants to build her brand based off of something that she is extremely passionate about. She was born and raised in Kentucky. Uh, it's, it's a red state. Um, and, and in this last couple of elections, there have been, you know, switches back and forth and a lot of and obviously a lot of turbulence in the country. And she said she just wants people she doesn't care what your politics are. She wants you to be awake and aware of what's going on, what the issues are and to be a conscientious voter. And so she's really taken that on. And now that's that's in politics. But we're seeing that in healthcare, We're seeing that in education. We're seeing that in uh, helping veterans. These are celebrities who are really 
you know, what a celebrity is, if you think about it, they're a person who has built a tremendous amount of energy, potential energy. They have all of these people who, through their talents, have amassed eyeballs all focusing on them and who, who like them, who, who want to who be them, who emulate them. And a true celebrity is someone who can recognize how to take all of that energy, all of that potential energy, and turn it into kinetic energy by shining that light on something that's really going to improve the world. That to me is a real celebrity, and that's what we've been experiencing. Is is that's and that's a, as an individual or as a brand, because a brand can do the same thing. You know, you could have a brand that's just selling a product, or you can have a brand that's changing culture. And again, I, I'll, I'll repeat that's that's what Jason's been doing with Beats. They are selling culture. Uh, it happens to be a headphone company, but what it really is is it's giving voice to a. Uh, a population um, that includes multiple demographics, but all of whom care about care about life and expression. All right, we got to take a quick break here to hear from one of our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Communo. Chris, do you want to explain what it is before we roll the clip? Sure. Simply put, Communo is a uh, marketing platform that allows creative agencies, digital shops, solopreneurs, uh, both augment their staff with contingent workers as well as to access deal flow in the form of projects and, uh, and, a, and a job board. It's a community where people uh, can exploit the principles of the sharing economy by giving and getting work. It's time for work to get better, faster, Easier, funner. Take a look. It's time for Communo, the community made by marketing freaks for marketing freaks. No clients allowed, just us. If you're good at what you do and you want to do more of it, then join us. We made it easy, which is the total opposite of hard. How does it work? Say you're an agency owner and you're swamped. You need a writer or a designer or a videographer or whatever. Or say you're a writer or a strategist or a social media manager and you need a gig. Communo helps you two hook up, but not like Tinder. That's gross. We help you find a match and then get out of the way. Plus, we make sure Communo is loser-free because we've had everyone who applies. For agency owners, it's the low-risk way to grow your business without increasing your overhead or stress. And for solopreneurs who have mastered your craft but struggle to find projects on your terms, it's totally your thing. It's what the kids call a win-win. And we like to call, well, we call it a win-win too. It's how the sharing economy makes marketing services sharier. Communo, the way work should work. Welcome back, everybody. We'll get back into our conversation with Ryan Cummins from Amaze. Oftentimes, for startups, you see a number of pivots. And, uh, you know, just by, by good fortune, Matt and I really stayed on the same path with the growth trajectory for Omaze. And I think a lot of that goes back to that higher purpose, that North Star. You know, we said we, said we wanted to serve world changers. We sort of set a mission early on that we were going to leverage the power of storytelling and technology to transform lives. And early on, when we were first getting started, it was a little bit more of an agency model because we were just trying to pull everything together and really figure out the recipe. And that takes a tremendous amount of sneakerware. But then we sort of shifted from, okay, now we've got the recipe. Now let's try and make sure that we can figure out how to make it rinse and repeat so we can really scale this and with the goal of driving exponentially more campaigns 
raising the average revenue per campaign, but not having to increase an equal amount of headcount to do so. And we finally got there. Well, the next stage is to is to shift from that platform to that marketplace. And what that means is that here in the States domestically, we're going to be significantly increasing the volume of campaigns while also really advancing the technology so that we're raising more per campaign. But then we take it internationally as well. You know, we have a number of campaigns right now that already are quote-unquote international. Uh, we've had donors from 182 countries. So our campaigns have gone very international, but to take campaigns and launch them uh, in, foreign, in foreign countries so that we're launching campaigns in Bollywood, we're launching campaigns in China, we're launching campaigns in the UK with stars that are stars there, not necessarily our stars that we're exporting. And that's really where we start to see the the spread of Omaze and then ultimately the goal with a marketplace is that anybody can put their experiences on there to benefit the charities that they care about. You know, Ryan, I'm just so impressed with how Ryan Cummins has not only had this brilliant idea, but he's been pretty masterful in how he's navigated the world of startups and uh, and creating a tech platform. And now he's really in the throes of of the scale up, right? And how do you take the success that you've had and build upon it? That has technological implications. He talks about international uh, implications, and and he has this grander vision of eventually kind of open sourcing the whole things so that you or I. Could could use the Omaze platform for the charities and the causes that are near and dear to our hearts. So he's just a really impressive guy. Yeah, and I, I, while we're sitting here in the in the studio, I just did it, and uh, I love the experience they've built. I was spinning the little wheel they have, and it just it was easy. I was I just was able to give to a charity in the two minutes I'm sitting here, and uh, I love that they practice what they preach. Let's wrap up here and ask Ryan uh, a couple of questions about how others that are maybe seeking similar success can uh, jump onto these bandwagons, can can, uh, can uh, jump onto these same trends, and uh, what, what do you think Omaze is going to be doing in the future to continue to stay relevant? We at Omaze are a company that offers, like I said, the chance to win these once-in-a-lifetime experiences. That's what we do as a company, but for anyone and for any brand out there, what the real experience is, is, is the experience of being alive. And that's the realization where if, if we can go through life, you know, many people can go through life and maybe not even recognize that, uh, not, not wake up to that experience of being alive, but to wake up to the experience of life and, and to take agency in that and to recognize that one can actually drive their own path regardless of where they're from is really the 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 ingredient for change, the main thing that, that, that sparks that change and whether or not they are a consumer or whether or not they're in the company that's trying to drive consumerism, if we recognize that experience of being alive, then it affects what we're trying to sell or what we're trying to buy and changes the whole model. So my personal purpose is to try to enable myself and as many others as humanly possible to be the best expression of themselves. That's uh, that's something that I've really took a long time to try and figure out, and it's completely intertwined. That idea of self-interest and mutual interest; um, those those are not two different sides of the spectrum. They are the spectrum, and so uh, so long as I can stay awake to that idea of focusing my life's energy towards enabling as many others as possible to be the best expression of themselves by meeting them where they are and delivering that for them in the way that works for them as opposed to me thinking I know what works for them. Uh, in that process, I also become the best, the best version of myself. And, uh, and that's evolving every single day. Um, right now, 
I'm extremely fortunate for the company Matt and I have built, um, and I continue to learn every single day how to continue executing against that purpose. You've been Inside the Glass with me, your host, Ryan Gill, and my amazing co-host, Chris Nealon. This podcast was spawned by the remarkable stories and relationships Chris and I have forged at the gathering in Banff, Alberta, Canada. It's a marketing summit and business summit bringing together the biggest, brightest, but most important, the most courageous brands in the world. Special thanks to Ryan Cummings for letting us tell his amazing story. And thanks to our sponsor, Communo, for making this podcast possible. Join us for another exciting episode of Inside the Glass, where we'll introduce you to, and you'll get to know another ordinary person with a remarkable story. Also, for more information on how to be part of the gathering, you can visit us at www.cultgathering.com. Again, that's www.cultgathering.com. This podcast was produced by Ryan Gill, Chris Neeland, Daryl Swart, Adam Gill, and Jason Graham. This production was recorded, edited, mixed, and mastered by Daryl Swart at Park Hill Studios in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Original music, courtesy of Wormpoo.